All right. Are we live? We're live. <laughs> All right. So we're live? We're Welcome back we're live to now. We're, we're live on two time. Welcome we're back. Live. Ladies and gentlemen, we're live. It's 128 Friday the 9th, February 2024. Mm -hmm. We have uh, commandeered a room in the University of Florida. Who cares? Yeah, fucking cunts. Um, anyways, today I have with me Nate. I got, I got, I got, oh, I know your name, Seth. <laughs> yeah. And Josh Dog, the homie. The cut, if you will. <laughs> That's a fitting response. All right. All right you want to go? So you guys want to go hard immediately? Cause I got some Sumerian shit. Or you want to like ease into it? Week. Week. You, you want to ease into yeah, it? How's your week, Eric? My week was it's pretty good. My uh, my dad's friend is down from Canada, so mm -hmm. I've been kicked out of my room, and now I'm <laughs> sleeping on a mattress pad. Hey, come sleep with me. Oh, Sorry, you can spend this whole week at the beach, bro. Oh, dang. I gotta be with the family, and I cook for them, so like... Cook for me. They'll die. <laughs> they'll just starve. Yeah, there's <laughs> no food. We don't know what to do. Um, okay. Yeah, that's about pretty much my week. I don't know. Uh, Josh, how's your week? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, less than ideal, but it was still good. That's about all I gotta say. <laughs> How was your week? It's been, it's been quite the week. Mm. Potentially mm. rekindle past flame. Oh. So. Oh, oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, so. What do you mean by that? <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> Just say uh, New York is a place of many, many wonders. Mm. So. so not a woman. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. At one All point right. in their life, probably yes. an Asian woman. Oh yo, no. Yo. Yo. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. hey, there's nothing wrong. Get out of it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, no. bit, but. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's yeah, a good, happens. a good week. A good week. <laughs> That's very exciting. All right. How about you, Seth? That was all right. I just work all week. That's all I do. <laughs> all I do is sit around and work. I had a I had a little book club meeting this week. Oh. Um, which is always book? nice. The Bible, bro. Oh, hey. uh, the Bible, bro. <laughs> Um, that's, the, that's like a way to trick people into coming. Like, yeah. go come to my book club. <laughs> no, there's only like four of us, and yeah. we know what we're doing. <laughs> we know what we're doing. It's no, no, no jump scares. Oh, we're reading Matthew. <gasps> uh, yeah, I just, yeah, that's it. Just working. All right. Uh, I guess, oh, what is the best book of the Bible? Mm. John is my favorite. I, I love John. Yeah. Yeah, I might go with John too. Real Damn, talk. you guys but, suck. Let's uh, talk about why. We can talk about why. Okay, then. okay. <clears throat> I love, I love First Corinthians and Romans. So, I think First Corinthians and Romans are probably two of the most practical books. Yeah. Um, in terms of like living life. Mm -hmm. um, all the epistles are really wonderful. Yeah, they're the longest though too. So you can get the most out of them. First well, Corinthians and Romans. I think I should give an, an, like an introduction, like for the for the listeners at home. Like we have. We've gathered here the, the prime authorities on Christianity. Not, 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 not true. Probably the, the leaders in thought uh, of today, right now. Um, so this, in a way, is kind of like the new Council of Nicaea. Although I guess the Council at Gainesville, you know, slightly worse ring to it, but that's fine. But yeah. Uh, yes. Council Council of Alachua. Yeah. So we. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That that flows. Yeah. Highest yeah. lynching rate in the United States. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, we're gonna bring that down. Wait, really? Yeah. Like right now? 
<laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I wouldn't yeah, know about that. Josh, 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 watch out. Yes. Oh, yeah. Josh, Josh, watch out. J-Dog. The playoff. All right. Uh, okay, well, okay. Let's, let's just go into it. The Book of Anki. Okay. Right? All right. So this guy, I've been reading about it. I don't know why, like, it, it's funny because, like, this guy, he's supposed to be, like, a Sumerian, Zachariah Sitchin. He's, like, a, he's an expert on reading Sumerian texts, shit like that. Mm-hmm. And they found, like, a bunch of tablets in some king's palace. He's, a, like, you would know the name of the king if I said the name of the king, but I don't know. King One of the kings. No, no, no. <laughs> some Sumerian king. Anyways, so, king like. Toot. The gist of it is basically the real creation story of humans is Mm -hmm. aliens came from the 10th planet and they needed slaves to mine the gold. And so they banged the human monkeys and turned them into half alien, half monkeys. And and the first ones were named Adam. And... Tiamat, but don't worry about that. They go into the, they have a Cain and Abel story. Although there's a dash in Cain, I don't know why. Is he? Is he he's just handsome. Yeah. Is that what I mean? He's, he's just Cain's just really handsome. Cain's just he's hot. Um, but he was cursed. They said they sent him to the Far East, and and so we know that he's different. Is like they he can't grow a beard, so like Asian. Oh, that's the mark, huh? Yeah, that's the mark. It's the mark of Cain. That's the mark it's of no facial hair. No facial hair. <laughs> they got from an oxidant, right? Um, oh, and they said they could differentiate humans from the aliens on Anunnaki because they have foreskins. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think it's like we cut our foreskins to like be like them. Oh, we, get, we definitely got my rhythm. Live? We're live. Are we live? Okay. And we back. Wait, we're live now? We're live. We're live Okay, right we're live again. So we're last talking Everybody? about foreskin, apparently. Yeah, we just got evicted in the middle of my foreskin conversation, which was really rude. But apparently, there's a class at the Universal. Hey, oh, she God. wanted your podcast name, dude. Stupid. I know. Potential new listeners. That girl was giving me, like, the donkey eyes. You know, she wanted it. What? <laughs> think you're a psychopath. <laughs> That's what my mom says. Like, <laughs> you're a crazy person. All right. Oh, back to yeah. So, so you were saying you agree with the foreskin? I agree with there. There's there might be some truth in uh, in that horrible evil rant you went on. That psychotic. <laughs> it wasn't even that long. <laughs> you glazed, your eyes glazed over and what was coming out of your You mouth didn't even keep me going on. about the gold and the hammered you're bracelet. Uh, like the, foreskin. The, the the hammered bracelet is the meteorites that surround us. You right. know the, the 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 meteor belt. Like and that the was firmament. No, no, that, <laughs> not at all. No, fuck it. Oh, you're talking about like geocentric, like flat Earth? No, that's not no. what. That's not what. Jesus believes in flat um, Earth. You said Jesus believes in flat Earth. Probably some of them. <laughs> we have a Jew here. To find a Jew, we're on a university campus. We yeah. can find one. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> so you're talking about um, the aliens coming down and mingling with uh, having sex. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, they did like they described like the DNA mixing process. Yeah. So uh, there is an idea that exists. In Christianity, obviously, everybody knows the Nephilim mingling with yeah, the, the fallen. Yeah, yeah exactly. the fallen angels mixing with the Book sons of Enoch. The sons. See, they're trying to hide it from us. Well, that's the thing. The up until pretty recently, and by pretty recently, I mean like 19th century, 18th century, 19th century. Uh, the Book of Enoch was encouraged to be read, but what canon means is read in the church, and what non-canon or apocryphal text means means apocryphal means hidden or you keep it hidden like you read it in your house it's not going to be read at church but you're not supposed to not read it and then there's there's mm-hmm. those are the three classes of books in the christian world are canonical apoc- uh, apocryphal and heretical so canonical is read in church apocryphal like the book of enoch you're supposed to read but you read it on your own and then heretical is like you know unless you're like a theologian and you know what you're talking about probably don't read and these based on your angle of Christianity, the apocryphal books are considered 
deuterocanonical or apocryphal, but they're not considered inspired. Right. But if you're, I think it depends on which Orthodox church you're in or which, I think Catholics consider it. And the Ethiopians have a much larger canon mm-hmm. than Well, they just, they just accepted everything, though, so yeah. it's a little different. As they should. Uh, What's up know, with them? Are the they cool? Yeah, the Ethiopians are literally the coolest group Pretty of Christians on the planet. The best. I don't think, yeah. you should, <laughs> I think you should accept everything. Why aren't you Ethiopian, then? Well, God made me not. Uh, you can go to the Ethiopian church. We have so there's no Ethiopian church here in Gainesville, but there are Ethiopian Christians who go to my church, uh, and they are the greatest people on the place of the planet. People wonder like like there's all the Indiana Jones movies about where is the Ark of the Covenant? I know where it is. It's in Ethiopia. They say they have it. That's where it is. I believe them. What do you, think, what do you mean? Well, I feel it. like everybody would brag about having the Ark of the Covenant. Like, oh, I got the Ark. Like, I believe I the Ethiopians. The They're the only ones that have like an actual claim to it. Why don't they like show a it? Long descendant. Because like whip it out. Have you read the Bible? Do you know what happens? No. When, okay. <laughs> that people that are not prepared to, uh, or that are not allowed to... We'll get, like, a couple guys, like, get to bring the Pope down, and he could be like, yeah, it's in there. I think the Pope would explode if he touched it. Well, I mean, you know, whoever's, like, like this Anyways, guy so can handle back it. To, uh, what we were talking <laughs> let's about get back to the foreskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The, the mingling of, um, of, the, of the Nephilim, or of the aliens, and that's, it, it all really depends on perspective mm. right you could really easily make a case that the aliens are fallen angels because mm. they just said like the fallen they're like like yeah. maybe that they came from the heavens kind of like they came from space oh so it doesn't say aliens i haven't read this text so you're they just, just say that. aliens no, you're no, just no. Being stupid. well like like okay. it's so weird because the translation angels mingling with men is i believe that that's true so the fallen angels aren't necessarily bad they're just they like are, they came down. There's, fallen angels. there's also another like, came down. There's also another approach to the story of the Nephilim, um, in the sense that some view it as a polemic. You know, Hebrew writers um, contextualizing ancient Near East thought in a way that goes against the cultures around them. In the sense that there was this idea of like you know king uh, deity kings throughout the. Ancient North, um, ancient Near East, where um, there was these large men who assumed kingship and stuff at these of these small cities, and they were pretty wicked and stuff and evil. And the Hebrews wrote these polemics against them, trying to show that there is only one God, not many gods who are creating, you know, king deities, and that you know the flood wiping them out and everything is kind of a testament to like you know Yahweh. God of Israel being the true God and establishing his people and you know sorry yeah so polemics that, that's one that's one avenue some people say Nephilim are 100% you know biblically fundamentally true but there's a polemic aspect to that regardless I think so, so yeah I think one thing to just that, that popped into my head that I don't want to forget about is almost actually not almost every single culture does have um, stories like you said of like the great men and of like the god kings um, all of which in every culture are recorded about being 15 feet tall all of them mm. they're all 15 feet tall in every culture that's ever existed which is really cool and uh, and, and, and quite loco Ooh. but also I would I would I've warn, never heard that they're like okay yeah, back to cubits but like feet. this guy's 15 feet yeah they uh they're like cubits. two and a half cubits or something well, foot is a uh, is a human measurement. The metric system's evil. Use use feet and cubits and inches, please. Stop <laughs> <using> cubits. <laughs> yeah, cubits just the length from your elbow to the tip of your finger. That's a cubit. But my cubit's bigger than your cubit. You don't know. That's valid. <laughs> valid. There we go. Valid. Well, if you're the, the architect designing a building, it's all based on anyways. Pull out um, your cubit right now. <laughs> cubit polemics. Um, 
yeah, there's a space in Christianity for all of these ideas existing, which I think is a, a thing a lot of people don't think about. Like Christianity, the idea of monotheism versus polytheism as being a way to categorize religions is a very, very recent thing that ancient Christians and not even ancient, medieval Christians up until like 17th century uh, Christians didn't have that category of we are monotheists versus everybody else is polytheists. Not saying well, that, that Christians are polytheists. Yeah, it's true, but Christians obviously believe there's only one God. Yeah, there's there's the one. Yeah, there's the one true God. But the space, like we were talking about earlier, with uh, what about like minor gods? Yeah, these people claiming that these individuals exist. Um, my perspective on that, from reading history, is that I don't think everyone up until the Jews were just. Like and then everyone after the Jews that weren't Jews or Christians, um, that every single other person that had an interaction with some sort of, I, I hesitate to say divine, but because uh, you know demonic, but some other entity was just lying, and they just made it up just because lying, yeah. or that they were using it to describe natural phenomena. I don't think people are that stupid. I I agree with that yeah. that thought process that that usually like interactions with like gods or other things like that. I would describe them as like fallen forces, mm -hmm. so therefore demonic forces, yeah. and that those could come in different ways, shapes, and forms, and things like that. Um, I think you can kind of follow that line of thought throughout the Bible. Um, yeah. Do they necessarily have to be demonic if it's just like a powerful force? So we know like, about the, the 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 jinns of Islam, right? Like these yes. kind of neutral. What is that? It's like the neutral spirits. They're mm -hmm. not like evil, and they're not like necessarily angelic or good, but they're it's like a bro. They're like neutral spirits, and in Christianity, uh, in the Middle Ages, of course, we have like fairies and gnomes and, and goblins and things like that yeah. that people believe exist, and that not necessarily according to like the the Disney idea of what those things are. But mm -hmm. you know, you read Arthurian stuff, and you'll you figure out pretty quickly that. A fairy is not what we thought it was, and fairies are usually actually pretty demonic. Not uh, they're not like gin neutral forces, but in Christianity, anyways, at least humans occupy that space mm -hmm. of, of of the neutrality. So where okay, like so like godlike forces that can be like mistaken for like the true god, and also the idea of like the the god kings being like related to like like either the aliens or the Nephilim or something like that that you're saying like these seem to be things that are cross-cultural mm -hmm. but Jesus is like he's the one dude he's right here how does that like I'm, don't just say oh well he's God because that's right. lame but like how is he maybe not like either maybe he's related to the aliens or maybe he's just like a really cool dude like so if How you, if does you read that the Bible, fit in? And if you and I, I think we'll all agree on this. And you, um, you look at the things Christ says. Like when two people sin, he acts like the offended party instead of the two parties offending against each other. He's like, "Oh, you have sinned against me." If you read the Bible and if you read the things Christ says, people have historically agreed. And this is going back to like the earliest of the holy fathers that I've read, so like third century, agree that either he is there's no way he's just a good teacher. He's either God. Or he is the most psychotic person that has ever lived. <laughs> yes. Ever. Yeah. Like, like full stop, bar none. Like, manipulating psychopath. But if you read the words he says from the accounts, both, you know, biblical and outside of, uh, outside of canon, 
most modern psychologists agree that he is not like a crazy psychopath. Right. <laughs> Which, at least for the Christian, makes it easy to say. Like, oh, that, that, that means he's got. Um, there was something I was going to say along the lines of what you were talking about just a moment ago that I forgot about. On top of the, the lunacy or you can't be a good teacher or you're lunatic or you're actually God, just the description of Jesus' character in the gospel narratives, in the Christian narratives, describing his character just would not match up with psychotic lunacy. Sorry. <laughs> I think, yeah, in differentiating himself in between, because the... The Jewish leaders at the time didn't like his message and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and so they wanted to believe that he was like that. My bad, <laughs> I just I just touched, touched Eric. Uh, that he was. He's getting real physical. Get your balls out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, they wanted to believe that he was like demonic. Mm-hmm. They wanted to believe that he was one of like the alien forces or whatever. He, he casts out. Uh, he casts out call demons it. in the okay. name of in the name of Beelzebub. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then that's you know, then you get into the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And, and all that, like the unforgivable sin, which we can also talk about later. But right, but but his his point was, and this was later quoted by a American president, is like a, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Mm. So essentially, he's differentiating himself from the forces of chaos that would be like the aliens or the demons that are there to cause chaos, that are there for their own interest, their own power, and ultimately cause chaos, destruction amongst like people and mm. humans um, and Jesus he ends up casting out the demon and what's interesting is when the demons get cast out like the the legion gets cast out is the name of like a demon he says okay don't don't send me to the pit mm-hmm. so in going back to if we're just talking about the demon lore mm. uh, there's kind of like this train of thought you can follow uh, talks about it also in the book of Jude um, and first Peter where it's like the demons, Nephilim, whatever, the ones that cross the boundary that God basically said, all right, that's too much, you're done. He just sent them straight to the pit, mm. straight to suffering. So the, like, the demons, they're allowed to have to like, um, like access on earth. They can do what they want. They got free roam, free range, whatever. But if they do too much, God's like, yeah, that's too much, you're gone. So you think there are like chill demons like hanging around right now no no they like i think they're they're intent on causing chaos and destruction um but if they if they were ever to do like i don't know too much i guess such as like having sex with women and having babies stuff like that then 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 they they're they're done yeah my personal belief is that in anything that i say uh i'm basically regurgitating from two places yeah, or a few places. So it's the Lord of Spirits podcast, which everyone should listen to. If you don't listen, if you've never listened to the Lord of Spirits podcast, so shout out another podcast. I'm going podcast. to. There's a lot. Than this one. There's a lot. Better. Listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, with Father Andrew Damick and Father Stephen DeYoung. Very wonderful. And then um, the John the Pejo and Rich Rowland's uh, Universal History series on YouTube. Everyone should listen to. But anyways, um, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, the yeah, demonic forces exist in this world. The, the spirits and the fey and whatever I believe what do you call the Islamic ones the like neutral the jinn gin. mm-hmm. I don't think there's such thing as a neutral yeah I don't think there's yeah I think there's they're good or bad yeah they're good or bad so and there's God, angels but, hanging around but here's the thing God mm-hmm. is able yeah I mean I pray to my guardian angel every night there are um, things that God allows to exist in the world for our own edification because that's the way human beings learn human beings 
clearly the first two of them proved it, uh, when placed in a vacuum of almost extreme holiness, will, because of our free will, automatically seek the thing that will destroy us. Because that's how humans learn. We learn from pain. That's how we've always learned. That's why, at least, well, that's when people ask me why good thing bad, if God real, why good, why bad thing happen? <laughs> if good thing real, why bad thing happen? Uh, because humans don't learn without bad thing. Like, we've never learned without bad thing. So World War II is good. No, but there is learning, there is capital G goodness to be brought out of everything evil. Mm. The example I always give, I'm sorry, you're on me. The example I always give people is my uncle passed away a few years ago. Like, God did not put a tumor in his head to kill my uncle. Mm. But what came out of that was now my aunt, my uncle's you know, widow, and my mom, who there was a big rift in the family and they both hated each other, now they're best friends. And that wouldn't have happened if my uncle didn't pass away. Not saying that God killed my uncle so that my mommy could have a best friend, but, <laughs> but that Good can come. goodness, the capital G goodness that comes out of evil, that's where God is in all things. So, yeah. I would say not so much that suffering, you know, humans need suffering and, abs- and sort of a divine absence mm-hmm. for learning, but I would say that virtue is only attainable when there is a divine hiddenness in a sense, and if we're forced to learn. So I think a greater good comes from the presence of suffering and demons everything in the mm-hmm. world. So I think that's one thing that suffer that a better a better good virtue which can't you can't have bravery, courage, um, a lot of other virtues mm-hmm. without obstacles. And people say why well, I need obstacles. Well, you know, Christian would argue that there's a greater good achieved if there were none. So that's one aspect. I also say without um, sorry, this is a tangent off of what he was saying. But, but it's something that I've been calling realization of, you know, without presence of suffering and evil and you know the fall you you couldn't really have a, a true love because love requires um the option to either accept or reject mm-hmm. if you never have the option to reject then you can never truly love someone no i mean look at look at every single one of christ's miracles in the gospels every single one of them the person who receives the miracle goes to christ and entreats him to heal them god like you like you just said god loves us so much at least from my perspective, that everything, even his blessings in our life, have to come from our consent. We have to consent to those things. We have to, like Christ says a ton of times, especially especially in Matthew's Gospel, we have to come and see. We have to go to God. We can't just sit around and be like, well, if God's real, then he'll show himself to me. Like, no, like, it, it requires action on your behalf. It says that all throughout Scripture, Obedience. all of the time. Yeah, o- obedience and faith and coming and seeing. Like even, even, there's so many wonderful examples. I'm thinking off the top of my head, St. Peter, who every single, read every single one of Christ's interactions with St. Peter. They're all hilarious. Because St. Peter. Pure named, comedy. Yeah, yeah, named because he's got a rock for a head. <laughs> Peter, that's what a Petra means, rock. And he eventually will become the rock of the church and all that stuff. Um, not out of, not of Rome, but out of Antioch. The first church he founds, which is actually, you know, in the Middle East. Um, Anyways, when he calls, when he challenges God and says, hey, you know, if you are the son of God, like, allow me to walk on the water. And Christ says, okay, do it. He begins to, like, he, first of all, he, the, the microcosm of the story is he entreats God. He comes to God and entreats him. And then out of his faith, a miracle is performed. He's walking on the water. 
But the way we should read this as Christians or as people, uh, when his faith falters and shakes, which happens to all of us all the time, he begins to sink under the water, but it's then when Christ reaches out to him. He took the initiative. He consented. He opened his heart. He came and saw. And then Christ meets us, which is really wonderful. So you all believe in free will then? Yeah. Yes. You have to believe in free will to be a Christian. I agree. Yeah. I've, I've been going to church in much more Calvinistic reform circles for a long time and eating up a lot of the theology saying otherwise. Um, but obviously, pragmatically, practically, you just you have to believe and accept in your own free will and stuff like that. Yeah, what's the I, point of anything if we don't have free will? Right, and so it's like, to me it's like eternally, whether or not, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. on some cosmic level, we have 100% free will and volition and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I'm not gonna, give you write you down a percentage of how much of us it's it's us making decisions versus how much of it is god just being sovereignly in control but i do know that god is in control of all things from beginning to end and nothing goes unplanned for god nothing happens that god's like ah, ah. okay um <clears throat> but how does that mesh like how is right, it all planned but that's where i would say I don't, I don't know fully how it works out in every detail i don't i can't give you the percentages and stuff like that this is not the best example, but this is something I can think of. It's like how much of how you are today is because of you genetically and how much of it is because of experiences. I don't know how you would get an exact percentage or a number. Mm. Um, and maybe, you know, I, I don't know how you would quantify that. It's somewhat of a mystery and stuff like that. You could spend your entire life trying to figure it out for yourself. But at the end of the day, what you know is, you're a product of like your environment, but at the same time, your genetics also help make up mm. who you are today. And so it's that's a mystery, and you're never going to be able to fully figure out a percentage or exact quantification of which one. But I, I think that, yeah, I, I, get, I agree with you in that I think this is the main theme of the Gospel of Mark, mm. is faith. And my favorite story is in either Mark 4 or 5, but you have two characters interacting with Jesus in the same story. You have the Syrophoenician woman, I believe. No, that's wrong. Syrophoenician? Uh, you have a woman that has like a constant like bleeding problem. She's mm-hmm. like poor mm-hmm. and she doesn't have any money and she's unnamed. She's, she has no name mm-hmm. and she interrupts the story of this very famous um, centurion, I want to say. Uh, leader of like several thousand men in the Roman army. Jairus, I believe his name is. He's named. He's a named character. He's a man of wealth, status, and respect. So he comes to Jesus. Is that a big deal being named or unnamed? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's something worth noting. I mean, he has a name enough to that they thought it important to say, hey, the holiest, the holiest characters that I can think of in scripture are, are, besides Christ, are the unnamed ones. Like the Canaanite woman, right. the centurion. Who, who comes to Christ to, to entreat that his servant's healed. I can't remember, but it's either every single parable Jesus said, either the person's named, they're all named, or either they're all not named. So there's a significance to it. So I just can't remember. Yeah. And this it also comes down to what the gospel writers record and what they remember or not. Like, who was that guy? No, it, it, it's think, every single parable, uh, I think. I think the significance here is that he is a, a person worthy of status and enough that they would mention him as like a named person. Yeah, it's like if Michael Jackson was there, you'd be like, yo, like you're not gonna yes. be like some singer. 
right. <laughs> Same Michael Jackson. So it was like somewhat like a historical in that sense. Mm. Uh, whereas the one was just some woman, you know? And so oh. he says, oh, okay, um, my oh, son man. is sick. Can you come to him and, and heal him? And Jesus says, okay. And so he starts walking with this whole crowd, you know. So and wait, this so woman, the famous guy is talking to Jesus. Famous guy down. rolls up on Jesus with his little squad. Says, "My son is sick. Can you come and heal him?" No, no, I thought the lady said that. No, no. Oh, okay. we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. Okay, and they're going that way. And now Life you got the you got the woman, mm-hmm. and she has uh, like a bleeding disorder, mm-hmm. um, and she has no money. She's really poor mm-hmm. and is of no significance and she says if i can just go and touch the cloak of jesus i know i'll be healed mm. and so there's like this giant crowd like surrounding jesus and they're walking towards this man's house and she reaches out and she grabs his cloak and she's instantly healed and jesus goes who touched me <laughs> and his disciples because disciples when they have the disciples speak it's hilarious yeah because they just almost, suck they almost always <laughs> screw up because they're like us they're the best they're just like uh jesus there's a lot of people touching you right now you're in a crowd of people what do you mean who touched you they always say some dumb stuff like that but um he finds the woman and he tells her like because of your faith you are healed and it was the faith that made that woman well mm-hmm. um and then he goes and eventually gets to Jairus' house. And his son, I believe, is already dead, mm. um, died. And Jesus says, oh, don't worry, he's just asleep. And the people who are already mourning at the house go, what do you mean, he's just asleep? You idiot, can't you see he's already dead? And then he's like, all right, you guys leave. And most of the disciples leave, except for, um, I believe, uh, John, Peter, and James. And Jesus goes in with them in the family, and he heals the boy. And he tells him it's because of your faith that he's been made well. And so in this instance, you see, okay, it all boils down to, it doesn't matter, you know, your race, ethnicity, gender, status, what, none of that really matters. What matters at the end of the day is you choosing to place your faith and trust in Jesus and what he's done. And that's like the, the choice that we're talking about. And that's where it's like, that is like what's really important. And if you get wrapped up, in like determinism and stuff like that you can miss that like central point yeah i think i was gonna say one of your thoughts earlier you're talking about the sovereignty versus free will thing there is one rabbit hole you can go down it's called molinism i think mm. it's where god basically picks the universe where every single free will option that a person has is ultimately known and then selected by God in creation. So he basically picked creation out, knowing every single possible avenue of free choice, and picked the one that suited his, his uh, plan. Let me, Isn't let that me, determinism? It, yeah, let me, let me no, as the Eastern, as the Eastern. It, 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 it's not determinism. It, a, Jesuit, a Jesuit priest, a Jesuit priest called Molina in the 1700s, you know, kind of developed that train of thought. Yeah, let me, let me weigh in as the Eastern Christian here, uh, or the one who's trying to be Eastern Christian. Um, Baptized, so I technically count, uh, but I'm not no source of authority. But let me say that my the my king opinion, of Eastern Orthodox yeah, is speaking. Yep, um, no, patriarch not, said no, patriarch pope. Don't say that, patriarch, 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 cool game, <laughs> anti patriarch. <laughs> uh, but so I think the problem that I see looking back on my time as a, as a Protestant person, which I'm still, you know, I still have my opinions from, I was still shaped by it growing up. Um, 
or as a Christian living in the West, or as a human being living in the West, is that we get really, really excited and fixated on the isms and on the rationalizing and on the doing this and on the doing that, when since the very beginning, in, it's in the epistles, it's in, if you're an Orthodox person or a Catholic person, it's in the holy traditions, um, and there is historical evidence for it. Christianity is a religion of mystery and yes. of mysticism. My opinion, why Western Christianity is so fractured and why it's so crazy, and I'm not saying that there's not truth there, I'm not saying that people, those people aren't saved because God knows that they're more saved than I am. Um, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're wrong or anything, but I think a lot of people can get tripped up and can get hyper-focused and can start to try and rationalize and you know, pick apart the tiny details when you get super fixated on the tiny details. And the example I'll give of this is the difference of baptism in the Orthodox Church versus the difference of baptism in the Catholic Church. Because none of us are Catholic and I don't mind shitting on them a little bit. Um, not shitting on them. <laughs> yeah. um, so in the Orthodox Church, handed down through Holy Tradition, our idea of baptism is three full immersions, one for the Father, one for the Son, one for the Holy Spirit fully emerged. And you see the remnants of that with the Protestant traditions, and Protestants have gone back to full immersion baptism. They don't do it three times in all churches, but some of them they do. Um, it, really, it really just depends on where you go. But at the at, at a Catholic baptism, unless it's a little baby, I think, even sometimes with babies, um, well, no, babies don't get baptized in the Catholic Church. What am I talking about? Yeah, they do. No, they do. They do? I got baptized. Oh, sorry. They don't get, uh, they can't take communion. Yeah, that's the real problem <laughs> that I have, is that they're not allowed to take communion. Um, but, anyways, they. You think the baby should take communion? Yes. Um, absolutely. Because they're holier than I, they, they're holier than us. Christ says you must become like this little child. Why would we exclude them from the holy gifts and the holy mysteries if they're holier than us? And I thought it's supposed to be like an active choice. I agree with that. The, the active choice part. Like you're supposed no, to know no, what I said. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you could still. You can. There's still the choices there. We Orthodox people don't believe that just because you take communion, it's like, oh, you're automatically saved. You're good to go forever. Yeah, but it's like a it's baby like, doesn't know what it's doing. So like, why give it? Exactly. That's what makes you so holy. It, but you're giving it communion. It doesn't mean anything to it. It's like. I think it's to be conscious enough to be able to say, do this in memory of Christ. So I think like maybe like five or six year old or something. That's see, that's the problem. Here's where we get into rationalizing into the dates and into the times, and this is where the religion starts to fall apart, in my opinion. Like Catholic, I, they have they have broken up the the sacraments. They have hyper fixated on baptism. They have removed the sacraments outside of the mass, outside of the liturgy, and they have looked at oh, at what point does this become the body and the blood of Christ? Now we get transfiguration, and then we eventually yeah. we believe that the body and the blood are not actually right. the body and the blood of Christ. Oh, they're just symbols. Now that's that's where that word leads. Oh. Um, we can remove the baptism from the context of the liturgy or from the mass and that's when it leads to oh, all we need to do is be sprinkled with the water all we need to do is be touched with the water now you've removed the mystery and eventually that leads to oh we don't need baptism at all we don't need to be baptized I, mean, at all. I think there's a need for some level of like logic or like working it of course, out of course and that the logic and the and the working that stuff out comes in scripture it comes in our our critical thinking and our critical reading of scripture as human beings. That's one thing that the West has been really wonderful at, and that's that, they, that they've really contributed to, is not saying that Eastern traditions don't have Bible scholars, because they absolutely do, but critical thinking and, and cross-checking and being constantly bombarded by opposing opinions is something that's so modern, especially here in the West. It's something that's so, not so modern. It's something that's so prevalent here in the West, that if you're going to be a Christian, 
in the West, you have to be prepared to answer those questions, which is a good thing. Yeah. But when you remove the sacraments from the mysteries, when you remove the sacraments from the liturgy, when you remove the mystery from the liturgy, when you separate everything and try and think of, oh, at what age, at what, at what time in the liturgy, at what moment, at when do we ring this bell, when do we do this, that's when it falls apart. But I think it's like, I don't, like, are you, does it say in the scripture that you should give a baby, like, Communion, like to me, that just seems like if you if you listen, it made the point. The holy traditions handed down to us by the apostles who founded the original churches, like Peter and Paul, they do. They give to babies. Yes, I confirmed. Yes, according to holy tradition in the Orthodox Church. Which, if you want to take that as confirmation, I mean, now we got a tradition now versus like that's what they said. I definitely need to look into that, but I'm not sure if that's the case. But infant baptism, definitely, definitely a. Because you don't think, like, what, don't you need to be, here's like, okay. go through, like, a process? Like, the Catholic Church, you have to be confirmed, right, before you take them. Here's, here, here's I mean, I'll, I'll run through a quick, a quick difference between the Orthodox and the Catholic Church uh, entering the church as a child versus as an adult, which my experience is coming in as an adult, um, if you can call me that. So you have a when, beard. Yeah, thank you. It's only because <laughs> not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> not a compliment. Oh, yeah. Just, okay. just a statement. Um, they're... So in the Catholic tradition, or I guess I should say, uh, yeah, the Catholic tradition. Sure. Um, what you do is you are baptized when you're a baby. Yes. You are confirmed when you are in when you're seven or so. Um, no. I thought you're a bit older. It's middle school. Okay. Because it's like a class. Oh, it's like seventh grade. It's then, a, yeah, it's like eleven. And then you take your, your first communion when you're in high school. First grade. For okay, so it's the other way around. Yeah. So it's first commu- it's baptism, then your first communion. Then, yeah, the, okay, yes. then, then you're confirmed. Yes. In the Orthodox Church... Wait, you don't have... You can take communion after the first communion, or you just get one, and then you're, you have to wait you until you're confirmed? You can take communion after first communion. So what's the difference between being commune, being in a commune, being in communion and being confirmed? Yeah, why you get confirmed? That's a great question. Because in the Orthodox Church, what we do is it's all in the same ceremony. i got to get a Catholic. Do whether you're a baby or whether you're an adult. Like, I, when I got baptized, I was 23. Um... Like 24. 23, 23. So like, there's, I'm assuming there's infant baptism in yeah. the Orthodox Church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, everyone's seen the picture of like the Orthodox priest like holding the baby by the leg and like dunking him in water. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and everyone's like, that's crazy. Like, yeah, that's, what, that's what they do. I don't know. I'm not a priest or a bishop who does that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was received into the Orthodox Church after my catechism, or when children are received into the Orthodox Church, they are baptized, chrismated, which is our word for confirmation. Chrism, you know, you, you chrismate a ship. When you smash the the, the mm-hmm. champagne bottle on it. Yes, I'm, I'm well aware of these things. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we all know about I, I'm an expert on chrismation. Get it chrismated. <laughs> chrismate is ass. Chrismate your ass. <laughs> um, and then and then we receive communion. Josh, <laughs> I, I did not say that. I did which not say why, that. Which is why it's, it's peculiar that, that Catholics get confirmed or they receive chrism after communion because the Orthodox Church is the other way around. What do you do when you get chrismed? We get anointed with oil. So it's. Is it holy oil? Yeah, it's olive oil <laughs> that we get rubbed. It's on our hands, on our feet, and on our forehead. Oh, like the sign of the cross? Yeah, there's the sign of the cross on yeah. those on those spots. Um, but that's all in one day, and it's the same thing with babies. It happens all in one day. Uh, I think it's forty days, usually traditionally forty days after their birth, if you can. That's when you do it because there's you know the symbology of the number forty, the time in the desert. Do they circumcise? You guys circumcise? Mm-hmm. No. Nice. Anyways. You can if you want to. There is no circumcision. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter about circumcision. I, I had this. Okay, we gotta talk about circumcision. I'm like let's fixing talk about it. Let's, let's talk about circumcision. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. this is what Arrow wants to talk oh, who about. Who are you circumcised? So shout out. Yeah, let's yeah, go. All of us. 
Shout out. Hell yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here's Sark the brothers. thing with circumcision. Show me your cock. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's something that's like when you read the Bible and you read, let's say Galatians. The whole point of like Galatians. I mean, just like in general, I mean, you had circumcision for like in the Old Testament. That that separated the Hebrews or the Jews from the non, more or less. Yeah, the more or less. Yeah. You would think they would have a more like available like differentiation. You know, it's not like you can just see it on them. Yeah, I know. Right. Right. Cut off a pinky. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, that, that, that was my thought as a kid. I was like, "Well, no, th there's a lot of ways to tell yeah. Hebrews apart from there's Levitical laws, like beards, hair, mm -hmm. no tattoos, and stuff." Because all this stuff was very common with the pagans around mm -hmm. them, and so it was very easy to recognize. Um, like even even the book of like well, I can't remember like Ruth or something like you can just tell like what, who a Mo Moabite is just from seeing them. Like, right. like ancient ancient. What's a Moabite? Surrounding uh, tribe, just surrounding nearby. Tribe. But was, like, especially the Levitical laws, it was very Goy. clear who was a Hebrew, like who was a member of, of Israel, because of the law. So it wasn't just mm. circumcision, but okay. that was a, an added benefit, right. I guess you could say. I, I've heard that there were other peoples around there that also circumcised, yeah. which is like, okay, fine. But like that, that was like something that they took as important, which I think, in, in my like journey, I, I always like try and look at I just think, like, right now in America, we have a very warped and not good understanding of sexuality. Right. I think that's, like, maybe there's some significance of, like, okay, this sexual organ of yours mm -hmm. is circumcised. That being, like, very important mm -hmm. to them. I So I don't fully understand the significance of that. All I know is that I think it is significant. Are you going to circumcise your kid? So here's the thing. This is the conversation I was having with my roommate. <laughs> There is no biblical basis or reason to circumcise. Mm. Correct. None. Zero whatsoever. Well, I, people talk I, I about the, the health benefits. I heard there is health benefits, and that's like actually one of the great... Right. Know. But there's dangers, too. Like, people, like, if I've, they I've do heard it wrong. That, I, I, from my, my very limited experience of, of reading and talking about other people's cocks. Um, <laughs> very limited. Uh, very not... <laughs> totally platonic. Yes. Just reading. <laughs> platonic cock looking. No olive oil. The, all the time oh, I spent at Fort Knox looking at people's cocks. Um, <laughs> the, I, I've, I've heard stories told that the whole, like, medical benefits is like a giant cope. It's like, yes. Yeah, like it's not that big of a deal. I feel it's like modern medicine too. It's like we probably yeah, it's like, like figured out It's disease. like not people like all all the tribes. It's not like it's like the way you can tell the tribes apart. Like oh the Israelites they circumcise so their cocks yeah. are like not if they're like attached. But look at their cocks. It like rots off and falls away. Yeah. Just look at the health benefits. Like I don't think yeah it's Ethiopia doesn't have like or like you know some <laughs> well, non-circumcised nation. They're doing all right. Not a plague of like <laughs> cock related deaths doing going on. Like no. <laughs> They would only circumcise. I don't know. I think it, maybe it is better. Maybe it's not. I, I also hear uh, that, oh, it, it, it feels better. Sex is, feels better. I think, yeah, there's uncircumcised. more sensation. That's what they say. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Help a homie out. The, re the, the biggest reality is, is would I circumcise my firstborn son? Yeah, boy. Pongo. Pongo. <laughs> <laughs> would I... Would I would I circumcise him? Tiny and the answer is probably because dang it, I'm circumcised. What? That's <laughs> hazing, dude. You want to look like Big Papa? I think like, my dad like, circumcised me. Like personally, wait, what? what? <laughs> you heard it here live. Teeth. <laughs> that's crazy. My you think there's like a bonding experience? If, if my wife, <laughs> trauma. Trauma. if my wife, uh, 
if she has an extremely strong opinion about it, I'll, yeah. I'll do whatever. Because yeah. like the bio, like like you said, there's no scriptural evidence. So everything that comes down to circumcision literally has to be a secular. Not argument. evidence. It's specifically you do not have to be circumcised. Yeah. He specifically oh, says because what happened is in the early keep church, it. keep it on. <laughs> everybody, all the first Christians were Jews. Okay. Yeah. And there's a little bit of confusion in terms of like, okay, now you have this this gospel, the kingdom of heaven is not just for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. This is wonderful. And you have all Jews spreading it. And there were some Jews who meant well in that, and then there were some who wanted to capitalize off this newfound movement, and they were trying to get all the Christians, the Gentiles, to become like Jews. Yeah, you had to become a Jew uh, first and then you became a Christian. Like, imagine became being the Christian, guy yeah. like the the guy who got circumcised the day before he said that. You'd <laughs> be like, what? Oh. Like, <laughs> dude, <laughs> you gotta be kidding. Got you keep it on ice? Yeah, <laughs> I'd be pissed. Yeah, so I feel like the Jews, Jews are just like, you gotta cut your dick off too. Like, be like us. It's like, no. Like, that sucks. Yeah. And I don't so, I, you guys are too cavalier with like, oh, if my wife wants the No, no, no. I mean, it's like, fair, no. but I'm just like, but I'm just saying it like, you, you at the care end about of the day, your son's you cock? No, I'm on his side. What are you talking about? <laughs> if I could uncircumcise myself, I would. You I'll would? Circumcise you would? You yeah, would? I would uncircumcise. That's just because you went to UCF and you had all those people. <laughs> hey, man. The, the non-circumcision people. <laughs> just walking around. With I wasn't the blood like on aware. their crotches. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have seen the videos Going of that. back. I have. Oh, what? Man. I don't know what videos you're... What? Eric, you li you were there, right? No. What do you What do you mean? They come every year to UCF for I know, like, like the abortion so. people. I always see them. No, no it's like It's no, like the male no, no, version no, no. of abortion. Yes. It's like you took our foreskin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, they they like, wear like, like all white. <laughs> they wear all white and then they'll 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 stain with blood like their crotch. <laughs> you you never saw it. Never that's like that's that. like one of the most famous yeah. things that we have at UCF. I feel like I missed the, out like people. my college experience. Yes, you did. It. Damn it. You were there forever too. I know. You would have been out there with them. Right? You would have been out there. Cost I would have been out there. Yeah. Watching with them, fists in the air. Where's my foreskin, mom? Bring it back, mama. Wash the dishes. Where's my foreskin? Yeah. If I had a foreskin, maybe I would. I don't know. So basically, I'm gonna Anyways. circumcise my son just because I'm circumcised. And That's no other up. reason. That's you know fucked up. Well, you know, you know I'll take the opposite. Cool. I'm not gonna circumcise my son. Yeah. Just, just because, because I am. I'm gonna take a stand. You, you know, it ends with me. It ends with me. It ends with me. It stops here. What do you think about women wanting to do their last name? As, as like you take their last name. That's it depends. I, it pisses me off. It depends. I like I have a, I have a friend who that's, has that's, a, that's misogynistic. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I, I have, I have a friend. the wrong guy to say that. <laughs> I, I have yeah, a yeah. friend who, who has a very 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 horrible like uh, like family past. Mm. Like he was in the system. He was in foster care for a really long time. He's mm. got a bunch of different last names. So he's got two different last names. He's hyphenated. But he's got like some extremely complicated family history. He's like when I marry my girlfriend, I'm gonna take her last name. Like, just make it easy. I mean, that's fine. It, yeah, and that's the one time where I'm like, okay, that's fine. But the man... This is biblical. This is biblical. <laughs> the man... Biblical. <laughs> is the head of the household. Cock on, name not on. In a, not in a, uh, a top-down kind of leadership way. I mean, if you, look, if you look at the example of Christ's leadership, then there's no way for you to be a misogynist. But if the man is to be the point of interaction of the household, which is how you know it has historically been, mm. there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is when you Not the go too deep into it, if you go too deep into it, oh, I get to make all the decisions. If you don't live your life as the head of the household, with Christ as your example of joyful slavery, like you should be 
enslaved to your joyful slavery. That's yes. a, enslaved to your not a good seller. Like. To your not okay. You should be some, sorry. <laughs> joyful the Ethiopians are down for this. <laughs> Let's use that word. Right. The, you know, the Greek word is, is closer to slavery, but we'll use we'll use subservience because America. There's a certain connotation <laughs> with that. With yeah, that history. I, uh, I'm not sure what it is, but yes, there I, is. I would, Josh, you have experience with that. Right? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, so, like, I am white. If, if, you, if you if you if you lose Christ as that example, like the way Christ washes the feet of his apostles, which Saint Peter also goes, "Oh, wash my whole body." Christ, like, dude, chill out. <laughs> Saint Peter. Um, if if you keep Christ as your example, then you as the leader of the house are the most subservient person there. And now there's no room for misogyny. There's a patriarchy. Yes. Without room for misogyny. That's where I stand. On the take my last name, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta write that down. Take my last name, bitch. I don't know. It's like most the the past two serious relationships I've been in, they've been like, well, what if he took like my last name? Like your last name sucks. Yeah. Like no, fuck fuck your last name. It, it might be my, racist, Derek. Eric, Eric, no, it's racially motivated. They were racist. First. They were no, yeah, they were racist. I was like, yeah, I'm racist. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I, I know. No, Eric, I'm, I'm not racist. We have a black person on this podcast. We have a black person. No, we do not. <laughs> what are you saying, Nate? No, I'm just saying you gotta join the Orthodox Church, Eric, so you can find a subservient wife. There you go. Mm. That's not no. I like the, that. The, the, the idea is the man is subservient. That's a lot of dishwashers in the church. The most subservient to each other. And yes, exactly. That's the point. That's that's the glory. No, we're like subservient to each other. That way, it's like yes. a loop, that is, that is the and whole then point it's cool. Yes. I just don't, I'm, it's Joyful more just like servants. it's my Serves birthright like <laughs> no one of my ex-girlfriends was like you're taking my last name and I was like your last name I'm not going to say it but like it's an appendage like, like it's, it's like part of the body bro like, I'm not her last name is arm <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's liver <laughs> <laughs> That's a whack name. <laughs> oh man, no, that's crazy. I thought I, I was just joking. <laughs> no, it was um, liver. Yeah, liver. So it was that was it. Liver um, more. Mm. Liver more. Um, uh, but just don't hyphenate. I feel like hyphenating is the worst. Like, the, take a stand. The, yeah, don't be a either spag. submit or overcome. But don't. Yeah. <laughs> I think also, yeah. like that being said, like we don't really care about the family name much. Right, mm -hmm. but like, I think like in yeah. terms of like male leadership, unless you're famous, like if I was like, sure, oh Eric Obama, if you were, everybody would be like, oh well, maybe Kennedy, Mr. Obama, Eric Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Kennedy. take that, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess I like, I guess like the thought is like, okay, if the male is ultimately responsible for the the good and bad that happens in the relationship, if there's a failure in the family, then it's like. It's ultimately it, it falls on the husband. It's the husband's fault. Like that, it, it you know somewhat makes sense that it's his name that's attached to it, mm. for better or for worse. Mm. That's one way of looking at it. I, mean, I think one that's kind of misogynistic, though. I, uh, well, okay, or not? I, I don't. I don't know. The <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> that's kind of like against the dude, though. That's kind of sexist. <laughs> Nate, speak your truth. Valid. One perspective I like is in Galatians. It says there's no male, there's no female. And then on top of that, I think it's at First Corinthians where um, the man, and a husband and wife become one flesh. I think I think when you, when you look into marriage, so mm -hmm. you, you look at it in a whole scriptural sense that you're one entity. You you 
you are one flesh, you are one combined unit. But even if you are one body, you can have diff different roles, mm. equally important roles. Mm -hmm. And you know, I forgot what the analogy was, but if you have like two people steering a ship and they both want to go in different directions, you'll never get anywhere. So ultimately, one person has to make the final ultimate decision of where to steer the ship. And I think that's that was kind of the emphasis in the husband's role of the family. But then there's like he's the Supreme Court. Like it, it ends with him. Well, it's so maybe the he's the I driver. Yeah, he's the, the driver, but that doesn't mean that you're more important than yes. Yeah, she could be the navigator. Says where yes. everywhere it's like, you go. It's like the way yeah. in the Orthodox Church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The uh, <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> different <laughs> patriarchs from different cities. And historically, Rome, when it was Orthodox, um, rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah, rip twelve oh four when they raped our nuns at the altar and put a prostitute on the bishops. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank yo, you, yo. Crusaders. Twelve oh four. Yeah, twelve oh four. No, um, <laughs> the but they uh, rape it. There was a they, yeah right. There was a difference. Ephesians. There were um, there are several patriarchs, and they're still on the church. But the patriarch of Rome, or the Pope, had a like he, he had a, a symbolic. Head. He wasn't more important than everybody else, mm. but he was kind of he. That's that's where Peter. Somebody's got to take the and first Rome step. Rome is an important city. That's where Paul yes. died. Yeah, that's uh, like that, that. That is the the symbolic head of the household. Figurehead. Yeah. Yes, the symbolic figurehead. In the same way that a male is like we are all subservient to each other. We are all equals, but humans thrive and always thrive on hierarchy. I mean, democracies. Isn't my favorite form of government, um, America? What? <laughs> what? We have the lobsters. Communists? The lobsters. No. Yeah, <laughs> the lobsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Communism. Even worse. Yes. That's, that's level the playing field. Even worse. What do you? What do you? What? Do you, what the philosopher he king? king? He wants a king. All I'm gonna say is that the only. He wants a king. All, Look all at him. All I'm gonna say is he that I'm not saying I want a king. But all I'm saying is that the only form of government that's mentioned in the Bible is a kingdom. And heaven is a kingdom. Oh! <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. Anyways, I have, I, I have no opinions on politics. I'm just using this as an example. So let me read this, the, uh, the official, uh, what we got right here. It's in the source book. So this is Ephesians 5, uh, 23 through something, whenever I feel like stopping. Uh, wives... Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. A lot of people like to stop there. Uh, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. That's a, that's a further analogy. Uh, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Okay, so there's, there we go. Now we got uh, the next Sounds one. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you also aren't leading this with biblical nuance. Right? I, uh, it's 25. Let's keep reading, fellas. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mind you, Christ died. He was nailed to a cross. Yeah, yeah, he died for her. Okay. I heard about that. That he might sanctify her, having cleaned her by the washing of water in the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ loves the church. Okay. Therefore, blah, blah, blah. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is, the, this is in Genesis. This is what's quoted by Jesus and pretty much always. When it comes to matters of like, um, like sexual relationships or men and women, this is what it, it always boils down to. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There you go. It's a, like we were talking about before, Christ is used as the example for both. 
both of you, male and female, look towards Christ, find in him your example of how to love and how to serve and how to, like we were talking about earlier, this cycle of servitude where if you're enslaving or if you're being subservient to someone that you love, not because they hold a position of power over you, because they're looming down on you because they're your slave master, but because you love them the way Christ loved the apostles, or I, I guess at the moment when you wash their feet, the disciples, um, that is the blueprint. That is what we should look look for. If you do things out of love, then you're not a slave. Even if you do, if, if, it, if it's if it's if you're if you're serving, if it's servitude. I feel like in the healthiest relationships, you also just see that come out naturally. Exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't. And that's that's the thing. There's truth. And I, this is okay. I, I'll go on a rant on this later, uh, or towards the end, whenever we're, we're coming to a close. But there is truth in everywhere. I don't know if you've noticed, Eric, but you got all the three different Christians in a, in a room together. We've agreed on most things because what we're doing is we're latching on to the truths that we all that we all know about. And I bet you, if we had a Jew or a Muslim in this room, we could all find or a pagan or a Buddhist. Well, Buddhists are pagans, but um, <laughs> we could all find spots of truth and little bits of truth to rely on. Like you said, even in like a normal, secular, atheist, agnostic, healthy relationship, if these people love each other the right way, then the truth, then Christ's truth will come out whether they know it or not. The way. The, that's what Christianity was originally called before it was called Christianity. It was called the way. We are we are kind of getting, it is 235, so if yeah. you want to hit your hit your notes. Well, I'm going to let somebody else rant while I find this. Because I also, I remember last time we spoke, I said I want to talk about St. Christopher before we close off, and I, and I really want to. Again, uh, way back at an earlier point about mysticism and stuff, I think a lot of issue came during the Enlightenment, was the Enlightenment, towards the end of the Renaissance, but when there's this extreme emphasis from the church on rational thought, yes. And every aspect of mysticism and the church became rationally explained. The transfiguration, like uh, it's transubstantiation, not transfiguration. That's that's a, but yeah, transubstantiation mm-hmm. of the Eucharist. You know, everything with it. You know, it's, it's one aspect of like, um, like the like a lot of Lutherans, L- Lutherans, some Presbyterians, and Eastern Orthodox have a lot of overlap. And actually, right now in the church, you see a lot of Lutherans hopping Eastern Orthodox, and you see a lot of Eastern, and you see some Eastern Orthodox. Hopping to Lutheranism, because there's a lot of similarities. Like for example, they both treat the Eucharist as just a mystery. Like they don't try to explain mm-hmm. is it actually the b- blood and well it and, is, but we don't explain. We don't try to explain how. Yeah. Or like when. The, <laughs> the Lutherans will say it is the body of Christ, but we don't know how. We don't know. Twi- is it actually the blood or it, blood? It's just they understand it to be the body of Christ. And there's, and there's other aspects of the faith that they leave it to mystery mm-hmm. versus a very, and that's why you kind of see like a backlash from a little bit from the Reformation where they try to completely, um, you know, not completely, but you see a lot of Protestant denominations go fully into the mysticism and some, not so much like the Pentecostals, like in Charismatics, extremely <laughs> into yes. mysticism to, 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 to a fault. Yeah. And um, it, everything takes nuance. Yeah, this religious stuff takes nuance. I think I think it's a healthy balance of acknowledging acknowledging the mysticism of the Christian faith. There's a lot of, there's a lot of questions that Jesus didn't answer in the scriptures. Like there's a lot of stuff. You know, when is Jesus' second coming? You know, more explanation about the angels and stuff. There's a lot of stuff that Jesus didn't explain. And, that the, and I think the great thing is in the Gospels and the, the writings and epistles, 
there's a lot of stuff they didn't leave answered. I think that leaves a lot of truth to the faith that they didn't try to explain everything away. There's a great mystery, mystery to the faith, that, and there's a balance of that with what's been revealed to us in Scripture. And I think you have to find a balance in that. And some would argue that Eastern Orthodox Church has that balance. I certainly would. Uh, <laughs> some would argue that there are Protestant, um, there are churches of Christ, Protestant churches, you know, the body that have the Holy Spirit and have that discernment. And uh, yeah, my my argument against that would be that there's there, and the, 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 that the problem is that this can also be applied to Orthodox people. But the um, like Presbyterian churches you go to two presbyterian churches and they're so radically different like the mexican guys that i work with are all presbyterians but their presbyterian their version of presbyterianism is i wouldn't say very liturgical but it's much more liturgical than the presbyterian churches i've been to here in the united states hmm. anyways yeah that that's not here nor there i think the holy spirit can be everywhere but i believe that the church body like the church founded on pentecost in my opinion is the orthodox church the church that possesses the holy spirit is the orthodox church in my opinion but that doesn't mean the the, the holy spirit isn't so weak that it can't that it can't be encountered or fulfilled or experienced by other people in other churches. Like that's mm-hmm. that'd be so ridiculously arrogant of me to say. The whole I me mean, the holiest people I know are Protestants, mm-hmm. like by far. Like my, my family, like my sister and my and my mother, like the holiest people I know, and they haven't gone to church in like a decade because they don't need it. But my little history brain that gets off on studying and gets off on like making these little connections, and I love the mysticism and I love, like that's what my head needed. If your mind doesn't need that, then my opinion is always like, I don't know. Don't be a I know it's so secular and stupid, but just don't be like, don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> I think I think it's very hard in our seventy-year max or typically lifespans to perfectly get all the answers. Mm-hmm. I think the Holy Spirit can work through us in whatever mm-hmm. church we go to. But I do think there needs to be discernment. Regardless, I think any Eastern Orthodox, Roman Catholic, or Protestant would acknowledge that there needs to be discernment done on the part of the individual in finding your church. And it's you know, it's very easy just to say hop into prosperity gospel or hop into Pentecostalism or whatever, you know. There's a... Uh, not, yeah. not to bash Pentecostals, but a little bit. They're, they're an easy target. This is what I would say is, this is a lesson I keep learning over and over, and I'll probably learn over and over for the rest of my life, but really what it boils down to is when it comes to our eyes and our focus, Jesus says he's the light of the world um, in John 8. And... I, what I believe that means is like outside of Jesus, there's darkness. And when we keep our eyes on him, on the light, he will guide us in, in a lot of these things. You can get tripped up. And this is what you, you were talking about earlier with the West and like over-rationalizing things and things like that. Um, is it, it's, it takes away from Jesus. Mm-hmm. And now we're talking about this, that, this, 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 this. And, and okay, we're, we're, we're missing... The point, even very important issues, but if our eyes are not fixated on Christ and His character and who He is, that will lead us astray. Yeah. There's certain times, and this is, I won't even go too much into my own experience, but recently where it's like, okay, I feel this, these ways theologically, and, uh, but at the same time when I spend time in prayer, spend time with Christ, when I read the Word, when I you know, consult wise counsel, and I feel like God may be pulling me and moving me over here. And I don't fully understand that or whatever, but now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. I, I know why God moved me here. I don't know why necessarily, but I, I can trust in Christ. And so our, our, our focus is not on Christ. Um, 
we can be missing. And this is something that, that like usually happens with church dialogues. My heart breaks uh, in this one story. I don't mean to say this as like a shade to the Orthodox Church or the Catholic Church, but this, this happened and it broke my heart. I was talking to a student who grew up Catholic and he didn't, this was during our time of evangelism on campus. Uh, it happened right from essentially right outside this building. He grew up in the Catholic Church, but thank God, um, one of his roommates was friends with somebody who was in the Orthodox Church, and he started coming. He invited his two friends, well, the, his, his friend and the friend's roommate, which is the guy I talked to, to church. Um, and he started going, and he loved it. The, I mean, the people there were wonderful, amazing. I don't know which church it was. It's, it, it's the only one in town. It's the only one in town? Okay, yeah. there you go. And that's like a, an amazing thing. I don't know the full details on this, um, but essentially as I was talking with him, I shared the, the gospel message with him, something that he hadn't heard before. Um, he was like, oh, that sounds cool and all, and like I love going to church, and I love this community, and it's the best thing ever, but at the same time, I just don't know yet. I'm, 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 I'm not going to accept Jesus because I don't know if I am at the one true church yet mm-hmm. or if mm-hmm. it's the Orthodox Church or the mm-hmm. Catholic Church. And me being a Protestant, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, yeah. we're, we're talking about Jesus. We're not talking about the church. And he's like, and I, it took me a while to put the pieces together, but he felt he couldn't come to Jesus. He couldn't accept Jesus. He couldn't even know Jesus until he knew the right church or the right theological system or this 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 it's like well everything in christianity everything in life everything in the world in my well i believe it just boils down to one man and one person alone and that is like jesus christ mm-hmm. and then what he did on the cross and his resurrection i think i think uh, like you said this happens a lot with young men and this is where you see the horrific awful state of, of orthodoxy on the internet like the ortho bro culture like those mm-hmm. kind of guys are the exact opposite of what the orthodox church tries to do when if you speak to an orthodox priest they will tell you like if like if that if that gentleman uh and i'm sure i hope i hope he did i don't we can talk about who he is afterwards because I, I probably know um but if they were to speak to father paul at, at our church here or to any other orthodox priest and I, I you know I'm, I'm not gonna say anyone who knows their stuff because I'm not a priest but the priests that I've spoken to um, they would say whoa dude calm down let's start the reason why the orthodox church has a, a process called catechism for converts that takes so long is because exactly like you said like hey man if you want to come to the church that's okay but we need to start with you learning about Christ you reading the gospels and then we can get into church history and into why things are the way they are but it has to start with Christ and you have to keep Christ focused mm-hmm. and it's so easy especially for young men to fall into that cycle of oh my gosh smell this incense look at these icons like look at this beautiful church history this is what I want to learn about like I want to learn about the history I want to learn about icons but that's idolatry that like if you my whole thing is if, if, if these things are distracting to you, if the things that, that happen in an Orthodox church or in a Catholic church or in any Protestant church, if they take away from Christ instead of funneling your eye, like you said, funneling your focus towards Christ, like it's recorded in, this, in, in the book of Matthew, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it from your head. 
it's better to enter into the kingdom of heaven with one eye than to burn in the fires of Gehenna for eternity with two eyes. And that's not the exact quote. But, you know, it it requires a nuanced reading. I'm not saying I'm so much smarter because of this and that. I, I certainly am, am responsible for these things. But if you find yourself struggling that way, then the the, the thing would be you're maybe you're not ready. Not in like a, you're a pathetic failure or whatever. But like I know I certainly haven't been ready at many times. But like maybe you're not ready. You do, what you need to do, just like you said, is take a step back and focus on Christ. If you're being distracted by other things, take a step back and focus on Christ. That's the easiest thing to do. And that's the most intelligent thing to do. Yeah, I really wanted to get his number so that I could give it to you. Mm. And I'm so I could be like, hey, I don't I think this guy's he's close, but he's just not quite getting it. And he, in a sense, doesn't like I'm not going to be the person that's going to help him with right. it because he's not going to appreciate my perspective necessarily. And yeah, yeah, young, young men are like like we're we're all like we like we all are. We all we all get so fired up, especially when we see cool shit. We're like, oh, that's so cool! Like, I want to be Orthodox or I want to be Catholic or like I want to do the prosperity gospel because there's money. Like, ah, oh, that's so fucking cool. It's like, dude, you need to you need to chill out, take a deep breath, don't get convertitis. Like, just read read the Bible, bro. Read the read what the Holy Father's going to say about the Bible. Have, a, have a, a community that loves you and that cares about you and focus on Christ. This is really off topic. Sorry. Yes. But no, I was, a, I was at a youth group gathering for my, my church mm-hmm. this week and there was like 25 or so or 20 girls and five guys. And it's just like I'm seeing more prevalent in the church. Just a... Uh, young men falling away from the church mm-hmm. uh, extremely which is like, I think the opposite problem we have in the orthodox church is we get too many like fired up young men who are like right. well, they want to be like ortho bro like online like ortho meme squad like shut up shut up <laughs> shut up delete that youtube channel stop following r slash ortho bro get off yeah. go to church <laughs> read the bible <laughs> talk to your priest calm down enough with that crap anyways I won't I won't do the same Christopher rant because uh, that's too long but um, Saint Christopher is, is, should be the should be the figurehead of the church in the 21st century, in my opinion. But, but I guess not not so much Eastern Orthodox, but leaning back towards Catholicism. Mm-hmm. I think like especially now you see such a like heavy reliance tradition, unless uh, you know he's talking about you know it, it all goes back to the Catholic Church, in the early you know medieval times and such. You know, we're keeping the mass in Latin, um, most of the populace not knowing the the Bible itself, and then. Even into the Luther's time and stuff, you know, the Catholic Church actively burning the Gospels, burning Bibles and stuff in the mass scale. And obviously, they don't do that anymore. But when you develop a system over time, when there's more, when you're just naturally progressing a system where there's decreased reliance on the scriptures yeah. and knowing who Jesus' character was, mm-hmm. and more just on what the church tells you and church tradition and just attending and doing the rituals of that tradition, I feel like they're becoming disconnected. You, you control the knowledge. Yeah. I'll tell you, the Eastern, the Eastern Church has always uh, translated the Bible into the vernacular, always. Yeah. Like, it's actually being translated into Swahili for the first time right now by Orthodox people, which is really cool. Mm. Yeah. So I just, Catholic Church, man. <laughs> it's silly. But I mean, I, I, have, I, have, I have much love for, for, yeah. for, my, for, for my Catholic. I, I, I grew up Catholic. I love the Catholic Church. Just because that's, like, that's the history I'm interested in. It's like Western mm-hmm. European history in the Middle Ages, which is so Catholic. It's painful. But it's great. <laughs> Anyways, I'm done talking. I was going to say, you guys have any, uh, any closing thoughts you want to leave with? St. Christopher the dog-headed. Look into him. The dog. He's, easier for you. The Canaanite St. Christopher. The canine knight. Yes, yes, yes. Like, uh, 
gonna get me worked up. I'm not yeah. gonna about my <laughs> You go about the capuchins, you know, the and the monkeys named after the people. I don't. Anyways, <laughs> that was good. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would just say like, yeah, I think. You know, so I obviously believe in like the 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 Catholic of all Christians uh, as a Protestant, you know, naturally. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah, the pursuit of Christ is important. And then that's like that's paramount. That's number one. Mm-hmm. And then the the church like supports that and comes around that. Um, but yeah. yeah, see Christ. Keep your eye on Christ. Nate, hey, dog, you got anything? I guess my last thing is the answer is to look towards Christ and the bare minimum, or the best answer we got is is two commandments: love love God above all all else, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think when you start with that as your base and grow on that and get more answers in life, but that's where you got to start. Mm. Yep. Uh, I would say read the Bible, but make sure you do your research on a good translation and, yes. uh, and yes. um, make sure you don't try and do it alone. Yes. You aren't smart enough, I promise. Yes, I made that, I made that mistake. I yeah. made, I've made that mistake. Have a community, and if I, if you're Orthodox or you, you were interested in that, uh, look to the Holy Fathers, like, you know, St. John Chrysostom, St. Jerome's got some really good stuff to say. Um, look towards them, even if you're not. Yeah, even if you're not an Orthodox person, read what the Christians that were alive in, like, the third century were saying about this stuff. <laughs> it's important. What would you recommend as a good translation? I, my translation, King I use the, James Version Bible. <laughs> I use the Orthodox Study Bible, which is based on the New King James Version. But it's got footnotes that has the Greek. It'll it'll juxtapose the original That's nice. Greek, That's nice. and it'll um, it'll say here's what the Greek says versus this translation. It's it's like a Bible with footnotes, which is really awesome. But it's New King James Version, which is what I guess the basis for most. Like if I, if I was gonna say like, hey, go out and buy one Bible, I'd say go buy the New King James Version. There you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, and kiss, kiss, love, love. Bye.